At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. All righty. So I know we just talked for quite a while. (laughs) We Uh, did. But for the sake of the listeners, Madigan, how are you? Not good. (laughs) I understand. I'm not good. Uh, Bad day at work. Bad day at work last week. Feeling kind of shitty. Cried a lot today again. You know, what are you going to do? Mad at everything. RNC is going on. Racism is happening. Literally, I just feel like I'm being kicked while I'm down right now. Yeah, (laughs) I understand. I understand. Like it's it's a tough time for me too. Like at work, it's been some weeks at work. I feel like just glide by and everything is fine. And then Mm -hmm. this week, it was just like everything is going to come at you at the same time. And then I'm sure we're going to get into it more and talk about it more. But just overwhelming feelings of hopelessness about the state of our country. Uh, I don't have anything in my notes to talk about like the RNC or anything, but that situation is a goddamn hellscape nightmare. The little bit that I've been catching. Yeah, it's, it's really bad. I don't have anything on that either. I am assuming that we both probably just have the one thing. Yes. I I do have a second thing. If we get to it, Uh, is it happier? I mean, happier. Uh, it's a little <laughs> subjective. It's still not good. Okay, because I feel like we're going to need something at the end of this episode. Because yeah, I, I don't just... have anything positive, but I do have something different. So I don't know. We'll see where okay. we're at at the end of this. <laughs> well, I mean, we're not saying what's going on. We are, we are both referring right now to Jacob Blake being shot seven times this week by police in Kenosha, Wisconsin. So um, I was on USA Today, and they actually did a in-depth kind of um, timeline yeah, I looked that, at that one as well. Yeah, so it kind of gives you like a little bit of what's happening day to day, hour by hour. So I didn't copy absolutely everything. I'll put it in the show notes if you want to go and actually read the entire timeline. But I thought it might right. be a nice place for us to start to move through the sequence of events and then yeah. discuss as we go. Does that sound good? It sounds Yeah, it's a lot. It's, it's, it's one a of lot. those things where it... It started out horrible and it just kept getting worse. Of course it did. I mean, of course it did. And I'm going to preface all of this by saying like when it went down, um, I was really, I mean, I am really upset. I'm still really upset. But more than that, I know if you go back and you trace our podcast episodes and you listen to me talking from a couple of months ago, 
the thing that was giving me the most anxiety uh, and was also making me very like kind of preemptively angry is knowing that everybody's fervor was going to die down. Yeah. And I knew it was going to happen. And it's why I tried to push as hard as I could for Black Lives Matter when it was like at its peak and whenever it was trending and Mm -hmm. all of that stuff. And I knew that this was going to happen where people just didn't care as much. Yeah. And so when this happened and I was noticing just a lot less people talking about it. I mean, of course, a lot of people on my timeline were talking about it just because of who I follow. But uh, I was back on Facebook for a week for work. um, And I ended up getting back off of Facebook because I can't stand to see, one, the way certain people are reacting, and two, the lack of response was really yeah. pissing me off. <laughs> I That was actually the points that I was going to make as well was the fact that there's less, you know, obvious, obvious social media action and things like that. There's less people talking about it. And at the same time, there's still the people on the other side that are just as strongly mm-hmm. fighting against mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter. So that's the thing is that what what's upsetting to me right now is that it feels like there's much less people on the good side and the people on the other side are being much louder. And I think that's my frustration right now Mm is like, again, Facebook. So I started to get into a comment war with somebody. I just turned, I was like, I can't, I just turned my Facebook off and I was like, I can't get into this right now. It's just going to make me more angry. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Uh, That's the same thing happened to me. I ended up getting off of Facebook. First of all, I mean, I think I talked about this, but when I got back on it, I was like, oh, this is a cesspool. I forgot. But it was something to do with Jacob Blake, someone trying to defend the actions of police officers and it devolving into this kind of like thread feud back and forth that made me so sad, angry, and exhausted just reading it. And I would yeah. like, write responses and then erase them because what's the point? And well, right. And the thing that's, and I don't mean to cut you off, but the thing no, that's the most okay. frustrating to me is that people are obsessing over these details, over what happened before the cops came here, whether or not the cops... It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because that's why we have a court of law. We have a court of law so that we can decide whether someone is innocent or guilty and then punish them accordingly, which is still a flawed system. Like, he'd be fucked either way. But it is not... But he still shot the guy. Like, you can't... Nothing that you say is going to take away the fact that he shot an unarmed man seven times with his three sons in the back seat. Nothing else rationalizes that In the back, in the back. So let's start moving through this timeline so that we can talk about it as we go so that Mm -hmm. people fully understand what we're talking about. Now, I would imagine that most of our U.S. listeners know what we're talking about. Um, If you are not in the U.S., maybe you don't, although I'm fairly certain that this has made international news at this point, given the state of Black Lives Matter in our country uh, and worldwide at this point. So shortly after 5 p.m. on Sunday, August 23rd, Jacob Blake, who is a 29-year-old black man, he was shot 
by police while getting into his SUV with his three sons, who are the ages eight, five, and three years old. Uh, there was a bystander video, which looks like it was taken from high up. So I'm guessing it was probably like an apartment window. I was going to say, I think uh, the person who filmed it was named Rayshawn White. And I believe it was from an apartment because he talks about how he was watching, you know, a bit of a scuffle unfold and then like turned away for a second. And then when he turned back was when he saw the police on Blake. Right. So the video shows a white officer who was confirmed by the Wisconsin Department of Justice. So... Firstly, the police department would not reveal the name of this police officer. However, the Wisconsin Department of Justice did release the name, and it is an officer named Rustin uh, Shesky. And by the way, I'd seen some things in the past of him on Facebook commenting a few years ago on a shooting that got the attention of Black Lives Matter. I don't remember who was shot. Maybe it was uh, Mike Brown in Ferguson, Missouri. I don't know. But he was commenting on it, basically saying like, oh, come on. Why are we having all these protests? It was a clean shooting, et cetera, et cetera. So you... Of course. Right. So you have kind of like the he's already laid the groundwork for his belief system. We already know what he believes. As a police officer, that's very scary. But the video shows him grabbing Blake by the back of his shirt as he's getting into the video and then shooting him in the back seven times at close range. And the way he shot him, first of all, let me just say, I have not watched the video. I will not watch the video. Yeah. I think that... I understand the purpose. It's yeah, it's jarring. And I was going to say so that Keegan, you know, didn't have to watch it. It's the way that it went about was such that, you know, Jacob Blake was obviously just trying to get away and flee the situation, get into his car and go. And the cop grabbed his shirt and pulled him back and then shot. And so so it was apparent that he was because I saw a, a short clip on Trevor Noah and it was apparent that he was following him saying something to him so I'm assuming he was telling him to stop or something and then as he went Jacob Blake went to get into his car the cop grabbed him by his t-shirt and then from what I've read again I haven't watched the full video um he is like three shots are fired off and then there is a pause and then four additional shots are fired mm-hmm. off. So it's overkill no matter what. Yeah, it's it is and I forgot about that detail until you just said it. it. Yeah, it's true. There is definitely a pause and then it continues. Have you been keeping up at all with like the news and sports at all with all of this stuff I have, going on? Yes, yeah. Um we basically watch Sports Center as our news at night right now because sports are happening and that's what Max is watching. And the the interviews and the videos of the WNBA, there was one team, and I can't remember what team it was now, and I'm so sorry, but they came out in white shirts, mm-hmm. the entire saw team, that. the coaches, with what looked like seven you know, bullet wounds on their backs. And many, many, many sports teams have decided not to play in solidarity and in protest. Right, well, and here's a- the thing. <laughs> you can't have... Uh, sports teams, which in America, this is how it is. Yep. You can't have sports teams made up of majority black players and have them sit back and just like, you know, 
yes sir, yes ma'am, exactly. everything that happens whenever their communities are being affected. Eventually, yeah. they are going to come into their own power, which seems to be what's happening right now. They've come into their own power and they're saying, we don't actually have to do this. We make all of you white sports owners, all of you white like you know owners of teams, we make you so much fucking money and without us, you are fucking nothing. So you need yeah. to get your shit together. Well, and that's the thing is that these are being led by the athletes. This is not, you know, right. things that the owners are implicating or things like that. Or want this to be true, happening. Exactly. This is true protest. And, uh, you know, we're obviously, Keegan and I are not sports people. I just happen to be surrounded by sports television a lot these days. But it's true, you know, especially as Americans who love their sports and who, you know, treat their athletes better than most people you Mm -hmm. know we have to realize that these people when they you know they always talk about when I walk off the court like I'm just another black person like you don't know that absolutely that I'm this athlete and so that's why it's so important but I I just felt like um LeBron James's tweet I can't remember exactly what he said but it was all caps and it was just like I'm fucking done he was just like fuck man I'm done it was something like that and, and it was like, to yes. me it just felt so it wasn't eloquent it wasn't articulate but it was so real and just visceral of like that is how so many black people in this country are feeling like I put something on my personal Instagram uh, about having marched for Tamir Rice's life six years ago yeah and like here we are again and I'm so frustrated and I'm so sad because I start to think you know we've said on this very podcast uh, during the George Floyd uprisings like we said it feels different it's going to be different this time and it's so defeating to have something like this happen right after all of that because what it says is that they don't care because they have to know that all eyes are on them right now. We had the largest civil rights protest in history. We had people who I never thought would be saying defund the police saying defund the police. So they had to know that the spotlight was on them and they did this fucking anyway because they knew that nothing would happen to them if they did it. They're protected still because nothing has changed. That's the thing. You know, even though we've had this movement that was large and powerful and did get some change done rolling starting you know, starting yeah the thing is is that nothing has really changed and right. so that's why they know that they're safe they can get away right. with these things and it's just it's not going to stop until we get somebody else in office and we get other people in all forms of government. We need it to start at the very lowest levels and it starts with us as well. I mean, yes, it's obvious on social media and in the world that Jacob Blake is not getting the same response as George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. That is obvious. But I do have to say that just even within my small world of like my people that I follow on Instagram and the friends of mine, the fact that we still are having these conversations as often as we are is important to me. You know what I mean? Like, I I think that in order to keep these things going, you have to continually find like minded people who want to help create change as well, because I'm. It sucks because not everybody is going to be an activist 24-7, you know? Well, no, I mean, listen, activism work is exhausting and it's thankless. 
Like, uh, you know, I've been involved in activism work. God bless people who do that frequently because oftentimes it's unpaid, it's thankless, and it's extremely exhausting. But I also think it's important to remember that, like, we covered Breonna Taylor on our podcast a month or two before the death of George Floyd. And it was barely like a blip on the radar like people didn't care until George Floyd and then they threw her name in with everything else and she still hasn't fucking gotten justice and neither has Elijah McClain thank you all for giving a shit but now what like but now what but now what um okay so to continue on with this timeline so police say they were called to the scene to respond to a domestic incident i believe i read that it was two white women who were having an argument they were fighting yeah that's, that's what, what i, I read too and then i was reading on a lot of other news sites as well and this is where i think there's information being misconstrued mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. like information that doesn't even fucking matter like somebody is saying that on the 911 call that somebody had mentioned jacob blake's name said something about a boyfriend that wasn't supposed to be there. Like, I read this on a couple of different um Kate, it literally articles. doesn't matter, though. You don't get to shoot but people at domestic violence either. incidents. Exactly. Anyway, it doesn't and matter. And that's what I was getting in an argument with over Facebook with somebody that I didn't even know. And I was just like, you know what? If you can't see that, like, it's still wrong to fucking try to kill somebody... Then I, it, I yeah, helpless. I mean, there's literally I saw something after the death of George Floyd where I'm like, if your first thought is to try and justify someone being killed in a in a brutal way over an alleged crime, then I think that you might be a psychopath. Like, what? Yeah. Why? Why? Like, I don't understand. Or you're just so desperate to preserve the status quo of white I, supremacy. I think that, that's what it is. I really think it's the fact that. I think it's fear, which is what the RNC is perpetuating right now. Uh-huh, you know, fully. You, that's their whole platform. Yeah, if you vote for Joe Biden, there's going to be no police. Who are you going to call? You know, there's going to be criminals running Who everywhere. Who are you going to call? Who are you going to call? Yeah. You might call somebody and they might shoot you in the back seven times. Exactly. So what do you exactly. mean? Exactly. We, st- we already don't have anybody to call. So, you know, there's this whole fear tactic that I believe that, you know, people who are whites and have grown up privileged or sheltered in any way that is a scary thing to them to think that the law enforcement that we know would somehow be changed I think is like an un-American thing to a lot of people. Absolutely. We've and equated... that's all they need to say. You know? I, I honestly, I feel like violence is very American. It is. And I know a lot of people so don't want to hear that. But yeah, it. I mean, and, and those two things go hand in hand. But like violence like Americans very much we're all about our military we're all about our police and those things it's to go against those things in any way is to be un-American yeah and we have to stop equating being hyper militarized or into police as being an American attribute because that's not what America is it shouldn't and if it was it shouldn't be right and the thing is, is that it's this weird like wartime patriotism that we've held on to you know what I mean like I I'm not gonna say who I'm gonna talk about in the full-length episode but as I was like you know doing reading and stuff about the politics of the time there was this idea in you know the 50s 60s of appearing tough oh good we're not doing the same person okay good all right so but like you had to appear tough you had to appear because we were going up against these other you know the Soviets and the Nazis and all these like really huge tough 
armies where America had to kind of puff their chest out and be like, we're big and tough too. You know, and to me, it kind of seems like this continuation of wanting to appear to be the toughest, the strongest, the manliest. Right. The and, yeah. I mean, and not to get too far off track, because I do want to get through this, but like <laughs> also you're you're right in that like, I feel like we kind of stayed out of a lot of things uh, up until like World War One, World War Two. And then once we got involved, we made a name for ourselves as being like, we're the ones who swoop in and save the day. Exactly. And in order for us to do that, we had to allocate a lot of money into our military. We had to because that's the kind of thing that we became known for. It's what made us a superpower in a lot of ways. And so I feel like a lot of Americans feel like there is this debt to be paid. Uh, where we're like, we only get to thrive in the way that we've been able to thrive because our military is as strong as it is. And so that means that we have to kowtow and bow down to this like military state. uh, And that means we're not allowed to criticize whenever things like this happen or when the police overstep uh, their bounds, which happens very often because we don't have any real regulations and they don't have any real consequences for right. when they fucking kill people. Well, and, um, and I think we went on a tangent here, but you were talking about Rustin Shesky, the officer who shot mm-hmm, Jacob yes, Blake. Yeah. And like you said, they were kind of hiding his name. It was leaked. And apparently, of course, he is only on administrative leave. Of course. Yeah, no, no. And Fuck I mean, to be honest, I'll, I'll have a hard time, given what we've experienced with Brianna Taylor and Elijah McClain. Yeah. I have no faith. I had faith. I had hope. No. Um, before that, like, maybe we were on to something and we're going to keep applying pressure. And every single day I'm going to put forbriana.com in my fucking Instagram stories and something's going to happen and nothing has happened. And I don't want to sound defeatist, but I do want to just put it into perspective that like they don't care about you. They don't care about what you want. They don't care about what you feel like you need. They're going to ride this thing out for as long as possible and hope it dies down so that they don't have to fucking do anything. That's the plan. Yeah. So do you want to keep going on the timeline a little bit? Uh, Yeah, sure. Okay. So Blake was said to have been mediating this incident, this domestic incident between these two women. And according to radio transmissions by police, he was shot literally less than three minutes after the officers arrive. So yeah. they arrive, they have time essentially to pull over. And from the look of his car, what it looks like to me is that he pulled over. So it yeah. looks like he had his kids in the back of his car. He's seeing an altercation go down. He's trying to be like a good Samaritan is what it appears to me. Now I could be wrong, right. um, but he pulls over and tries to mediate the situation. The police arrive less than three minutes after they are there um, is when the situation goes on with uh, Jacob Blake and he is not only shot seven times, but he is also tased. Yeah. So uh, that night, hundreds of protesters gather as the news of the shooting spreads and Kenosha County declares an overnight emergency curfew of 1015 uh, Sunday to 7 a.m. on Monday. So there are a number of buildings that are burned, essentially like the narrative that you see is that there was a lot of looting and rioting. Oh dear. Uh, Oh dear. But the other side of that, and this is much worse is that officers are firing tear gas and rubber bullets into crowds of mostly peaceful protesters. So look in a situation like this, the photos of those protests are so jarring with how blatantly obvious the, 
like pre- preferable treatment <laughs> of yes. one side versus the other. It's so and here here in Los Angeles gross. too, someone took a photo because uh, there were, of course, it sparked protests across the country. Mm-hmm. There were protests here in LA, and someone took a picture where there are right wing protesters across the street, uh, Black Lives uh, Black Lives Matter protesters on the other side of the street, and the entire force of the LAPD is facing only. The BLM side. No yeah. one is facing uh, the white supremacist kind which, of like Trump supporting side. Which is absolute bullshit with what happens next in this story. Am I jumping ahead of things too much here, Keegan? No, you know what? We can go ahead. All, all I'll say is that there were about 125 National Guard members deployed to Kenosha to guard against looting and vandalism. Oh. Uh in that kind of like initial first day or like on Monday. And then um, on Tuesday, the family's attorney said that Jacob Blake was in stable condition, but that if he recovered, he would be paralyzed from the waist down. It's insane that he managed to pull through at all or is managing to pull through given that they have actually like shattered and severed his spine. spine. And and then have you, I know that you were working pretty much up until we recorded. Have you looked at the, most recent updates of what they're doing to this man no they have him handcuffed to his hospital bed i did see that i did see that what the fuck the man is paralyzed he's paralyzed and he didn't commit a crime he didn't commit a crime and even if he he did why are we handcuffing to the motherfucking bed he's paralyzed what do you i don't know it's it's a fucking nightmare but so so there ended up being a total of like 250 national guard deployed to Kenosha and so protests continued police continued to fire rubber bullets and tear gas into the crowd and then I'm guessing this is what you want to talk about shortly after 10 p.m. on Tuesday night armed people identifying themselves as militia are seen patrolling businesses downtown in videos that streamed online. And these protesters, um, there were protesters on the ground, say that police welcomed the militia members yeah. and thanked them for protecting local businesses. So oh, they yeah, arrived they, they from all them, over like, the country and, mm-hmm, yeah, with so, guns. Yeah, this guy, I'm just going to call him Kyle. I'm not going to give you his full name because fuck him. And he's such a... Mm. Kyle, you know? So this guy, Kyle. He's such a Kyle. He's such a Kyle. Like, God. I dated a Kyle. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I don't know. I just don't like Kyles. I'm sorry if your name is Kyle. Then a name immediately just... It's not your fault. It's not your fault. ...in my head. So Kyle... Was 17, is 17 years old, and he is from Antioch, Illinois. So he actually traveled into Kenosha for these protests. And he's not with any specific group. He is essentially another, like, cop wannabe uh, who I think mm-hmm. wants to be part of these groups and, you know, post uh-huh. photos of his rifles yes. online. But he is not with any of these militia groups, though he was still, you know, going up to cops and, like, chatting with them. And like right. and while I, carrying I an AR-15. Some information. So like I, I, you know, we on this podcast typically try not to highlight the perpetrators of these crimes. However, I do think that it is important to point out a few things about Kyle. Fucking so Kyle. He, <laughs> fucking Kyle. So Kyle is a former member of a youth 
police cadet program yes with an affinity for guns so you can see it all over his social media profiles a lot of things have now been taken down i'm guessing by family members pictures of him with um he he is wearing american flag crocs Crocs. and carrying the most american thing i've ever seen carrying an ar-15 wearing american flag crocs did you see did i ever send you the photo of my aunt in the ozarks at the beginning of the pandemic a photo of her with her shotgun in front of all the toilet paper uh wow i mean that's very american america makes me so sad (laughs) hashtag america um but i mean i did want to point that out just because like it's important to note where these ideas come from like we have had whole episodes on incels and toxic masculinity and like youtube right-wing youtube culture and how people get radicalized and so it is important to notice that he um he was a former public safety cadet and that program is described online as offering youth the opportunity to explore careers in law enforcement. He had things in his bio on his TikTok and his Facebook that supported Blue Lives Matter and Donald Trump. Like, I do think while it's not important to put the focus on these perpetrators, it is important to kind of highlight what their ideologies are because it can give us insight into how these people can be radicalized. It's patterns, you know, and that's the thing with that, you know, with us and our true crime-loving selves, we know how important patterns are to be able to pinpoint a problem and potentially fix it. You know, that's why we talk Mm -hmm. so much about them. So, yes, we're not going to give Kyle the time of day. But do we need to talk about Kyle's beliefs? We do. Um, So before the shooting began, people saw Kyle, you know, walking up to officers and chatting. He was carrying his AR-15 and they just had a nice chat. Which he had illegally, by the way. I want to say also that like this is a 17 year old who looked 17. Yeah. Like he didn't look grown and it is illegal in Wisconsin. I believe from what I've read, I didn't make an actual note, but this is from what I've read, that it is illegal in Wisconsin for someone under the age of 18 to be carrying a firearm they are not that is not registered to them. And he could not have registered it to him because he is He's under 18. Exactly. So after he's chatting with the cops, a few minutes later, people are kind of running around and a bit of a scuffle seems to ensue and somebody fires into the air, which kind of like spurs Kyle into action. And he ended up making four shots and he killed one person. And as he was fleeing, there is a video and I believe Sean King posted this yesterday. It is so upsetting. As he's running away, he's on the phone. You can hear him say, I just killed I someone. I shot somebody. Yeah. 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 And so, I mean, and you can listen also, if you go to the USA Today article, which I will link in our show notes, you can listen to the police radio where they say, like, what's the location? Possibly a male. He's got, a, he's white. He's got a green shirt. He's got a long rifle. So I say all this to say, because later on, you know, it will become clear that they were on the lookout for this shooter. Yeah. They knew what he looked like. They knew what he was wearing. They knew what kind of weapon he was carrying. Yeah. So just put a pin in that. Yeah. So as he is attempting to flee after this, he trips and falls and he fires more shots, hitting someone in the chest and another person in the arm. And that person that he hit in the chest, I believe, was Anthony Huber, 
uh, who is from Silver Lake, Wisconsin. He was 26 years old, and he has been identified as a victim. His friends say that he was a peaceful person, and he's more of a defender. Like, he was definitely a person that when he saw people being mistreated, that he would stand up for them. So when right. he I believe saw, his girlfriend commented as well. She, and she did. Was like, he was such a loving person. He was like a, a very popular skateboarder. Yeah, he was like area. a semi-pro skateboarder. Mm-hmm. And so... When Kyle fired the first shots, he was part of the group that kind of went after him and tried to stop him. And all he had on him was his skateboard. So he starts just trying to beat the shit out of Kyle with his skateboard. And he ended up being killed. And it's Yeah, and I want to point out as well that like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, I was just going to say it was such a, a beautiful, selfless act. And Sean King actually referred to him as being a martyr on his page today. And it's another, we talked about Summer Taylor very briefly earlier on. And it's so upsetting when, like, he's just, he's armed with a skateboard, for Christ's sakes. Like, he's well, to not going to win even, against an AR-15. It's not even a martyr. It's just someone, I feel like, I, I don't know because I'm not in that situation, but I feel like I might do the same thing. It's right. like you see something hap- you see something happening and your gut instinct is to try and stop it and to try and stop people from getting hurt. Yeah. And so he moved forward without really thinking about like how this would turn out for him. Of course not. Um but like it should be said also that a lot of these protesters, they were telling the police there's someone shooting people. This guy is shooting people. Like, these people are dead. It was chaos. Like, if you read that USA Today timeline, they're talking about, like, people are taking off their shirts to try and stop other people's bleeding. Like, it feels like a war zone. And so, you know, again, also, there's, on the police radio, they're saying the shooting, male, white, with a rifle, running, running southbound. He turned the corner. He fired into a crowd. And then whenever Kyle... Uh, runs toward the intersection, he sees police cars, he raises his arms, Mm -hmm. and it looks as though he is surrendering. Yeah. But police continue down the road and they just let him go home. Yep. They, they, like, nothing happens to him. Although they have a description of the shooter, they know that there's been shooting happening. And he's surrendering in front of you. With a gun. He matches the description. Right. And they just let him go. So... He runs away. I guess he realizes, like, hey, I'm scot-free. So around 11.52, he runs away and drops his gun, and the police find it and hold on to it while the victims are being taken to the ER. So he goes home. He goes to sleep. Like, that's the thing. is you. It's so hard when you juxtapose the footage of Jacob Blake being shot in the back seven times for doing nothing with the fact that this guy gets to fucking go home and go to bed. Yeah. You know, and go to sleep in his own bed. And it's not until Wednesday when police show up at his home in Antioch, Illinois, uh, to arrest him. Under Wisconsin law, he will be tried as an adult and he is in custody in Illinois and he's scheduled for an extradition hearing um, on Friday in Wisconsin. Rotten hell, Kyle. Rotten hell. I mean, yeah, and charges were filed um, on Thursday, so today our time in Kenosha County Court and they basically say, like, I think they filed first degree charges saying that he killed Joseph Rosenbaum and Anthony Huber and injured a man named Gage Grosskreutz. 
uh, before midnight. He was also charged with possession of a dangerous weapon while under the age of 18, which is a misdemeanor. And his mother... Uh-oh. Uh, who I saw, um, Sean King was like, she should also be charged. I haven't heard anything about whether or not she will be charged. What'd she do? But she drove him there. Oh, my God. She, she drove him there. She's 17-year-old son. Bye, honey. Have fun. With an AR-15? Uh, with an AR-15. Knowing that it was illegal, knowing that it was legal both by Illinois law and Wisconsin law, let her 17-year-old go out and join these militia groups I, I just can't even imagine as a mother why you would be like, this seems fine. Because she's the same fucking way. It's she's not the paintball. same way. You can't just let your kid go out there. It's not fucking like, it's not a game. It's not Call of Duty. Fuck Like, Kyle's he could kill somebody. Too. And he did. And yep, he I mean, did. It, yes, exactly. But that's what I'm saying is yeah, like, as a mother, how do you, how do you that. just take your kid, you drive your kid like to another state to participate in violence? With like, a gun. You're driving your gun. child to another state with a gun mm-hmm. to a protest. I've got people in my life who are like, be careful going to protests, like warning me. Uh-huh, Yet we have someone driving their child with an mm-hmm. AR-15 to a protest. Have fun, honey. Like, what is wrong with it's this It's wild. It's so wild. So, I mean, <sighs> it's yet to be seen what will happen, if anything, to her, but... The amount of people I've seen online kind of trying to excuse his behavior because he's a 17 year old. I mean, fuck that. Like, look, like black children. I know from experience, my brothers have been treated like full grown adults since Mm -hmm. they were like 14 years old. So you can fuck right off if you think that like we need to give this kid a pass. Yes, his frontal lobe isn't fully developed and he doesn't have a full understanding of consequences. But if everybody isn't treated the same, if you're not going to give the same leniency, to brown and black children uh, at the age of 17. Like Trayvon Martin was 16. And I saw all of white America condemning him. So you guys can go fuck off. And Tamir Rice, who was holding a toy gun, was 12. Mm -hmm. And and the police have seen the person with the description with a Mm -hmm. gun surrendering. Like, Mm -hmm. to me, that's the biggest discrepancy that I've been seeing. Like, you look at Tamir Rice holding a toy gun who was killed immediately. Like, if you watch that video, that car drives right by and it's They pull up. It's a drive-by, essentially, of a child. It doesn't stop. Mm -hmm. And this person was given the time and the space to flee. Right. Yeah. I don't yeah. understand. Yeah. It's it's wild. And um, we're running long, so I don't have time to talk about what the other thing I was going to talk about. Basically, I'm just going to say really quickly, there was a wedding that happened in Maine uh, in which 53 people were infected with coronavirus and one person died recently. And so I just want to say, please don't go to events like this. In my one week on Facebook, I was back in the wedding groups because I'm back into planning my wedding again. And I saw so many people in those groups being very, very entitled about the fact that they don't get to have their wedding and that they feel like they should get to and that they're going to go on vacation anyway and they're going to do all these things. And just know it isn't safe just because you feel like you're safe uh, and you don't know anybody who has been infected or died from this. It is not safe It could happen anywhere. Maine is a very underpopulated state. And still, there were 53 cases and one death from one event. So just be aware and be safe. 
just be safe. Be I understand safe. you want to get out. Well, but and you know what's going to make safe. you all go out faster is if we all stay inside. Like if I we swear could, to God, if if my wedding gets canceled next year because y'all motherfuckers couldn't keep your shit together, I'm gonna be pissed. Honestly, I know somebody who might just be kind of giving up on the whole like I get big it. Wedding no, thing. I get it. I get it. I told Anthony, or Anthony and I had a, the whole conversation where we were like, "We're getting married on October second next year, whether or not we can have our wedding." Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like it, that's it because we've we've been together for eight years. As in August, we will have been together for nine years by the time we get married. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. We don't want to wait anymore. Enough so. damn time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, everybody. Well, if you have thoughts and feelings and that you just need to express, if there's anything that you want to say about today's episode, go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can also direct message us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist and follow us there. We have a Twitter that we sometimes use at Yamp Podcast. Y A N F Podcast. We have a Facebook business and group page. You can go ahead and rate and review us on the business page and chat with the other listeners on the group page. You can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate it when you do that. And you will be featured on Reviews Day Tuesday on our Instagram. And last but not least, please listen to us on Radio Public. It is a free way for you to listen and it helps us out just a little bit. All right. With all that being said, we encourage you. Cheer, John. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.